Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Scott. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word tonight, I want you to turn to a couple places in the Scripture. I'm going to do a little turn tonight. I hope that's all right. I know we've been in the book of Revelation. We'll get back there. Um, but I'm going to do a little turn tonight and go a little different direction, if that's okay. And, uh, and just kind of preach tonight. And um, if you'll turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians chapter 5. And then we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we're going to look at the passage of Scripture over there uh, tonight. You know, I want to talk tonight, and I want to uh, begin to talk about, we're going to look at this also for a couple of weeks, and we may alternate Revelation to to the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to talk a little bit tonight on the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to talk about God's Bible orchard, the neglected orchard. And... uh, you know, one of the great privileges that we had, me and Laura had, was the pastor in a little small town in East Tennessee, a, a town by the name of Irwin, Tennessee. I don't know if you ever heard of Irwin, Tennessee. Irwin, Tennessee sits at the base of the Smoky Mountains, and just over the mountain is Asheville, North Carolina. So we pastored in that region there in Irwin, Johnson City, Kingsport, Bristol. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. Uh, but we pastored in that region, in that area. If you're a NASCAR fan, you know where Bristol is. And, uh, and so I've been to Bristol a couple times and um, absolutely loved it. But we, we had the great privilege of pastoring a church there in Irwin, Tennessee. And um, I had a gentleman in my church. Uh, his name was Claude Lewis. And uh, Mr. Lewis, during the latter years that I pastored there, uh, became uh, he his health was failing him. He was an older gentleman, and uh, but I would take uh, Fridays and I would go up and I'd sit with him and visit him for a while. And uh, but he lived on one of the largest apple orchards in the state of Tennessee. It was over a hundred acres, and for years his family produced uh, some of the. Uh, a lot of the apples that were sent out around to East Tennessee and Western North Carolina uh, and was a great apple orchard. Uh, his family worked hard. Uh, I can't remember how many trees were there, um, but it was huge, massive. And he lived on the property. He lived in the, in the family's old house. And so uh, when I would visit, I would go and I had to, I'd park and then I'd walk around to the, uh, to the house and you had to walk through parts of that orchard. Well, that orchard had not been uh, used in many, many years. And uh, it was really it was really a neglected orchard. It had hundreds of trees. And uh, I was telling our staff today that in the fall, when I would go visit, you could smell the freshness of even though those trees had not been cultivated in years, many of them were still producing apples. And so as you would walk up in the fall, you'd walk up to uh, the house uh, there and you could smell those apples on those trees. You could smell them. But also the next spring in the summertime, you could smell the rotting of those apples too. It would produce a smell. And so it was an orchard. It was, a, it was very beautiful on the side of the mountain there. And, but it was a, a neglected orchard. It was an orchard that that was not producing fruit 
it, there was fruit that was, that was coming off the tree, but it wasn't producing to the level that it could had it been pruned, had it been taken care of, had it been cultivated. I asked him one time, I said, I said, Claude, I said, why, why, you know, have you ever thought about starting this orchard back up again? Matter of fact, there's a festival uh, in the town. It's called the Apple Festival that draws thousands of people every year that was named after the harvest of that, uh, of that orchard. Uh, every October, they have the Apple Festival. And I want to tell you, they got fried apple pies. They, you know what I'm talking about, y'all? The, you know, candy, corn. I mean, everything that has to do with an apple is there. My mouth is watering right now. And I would eat those fried pies. Tom, they had fried pies, apple pies. Oh, my goodness. I mean, okay, let's pray and be dismissed. You know, that's how... I mean, it was just amazing. It's just amazing. So, but I, that was a vivid picture in my mind. And so when I read the book of Galatians and I read about the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord continues to speak to me, don't neglect the orchard. And the orchard is our life. The orchard is the Word of God. And never neglect the orchard. But let's look at Galatians chapter 5. You're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. And let's begin reading in verse 22. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. I want to read verses beginning verse 16 and down through verse 20. And it says, you will know them by their fruit. This is Jesus speaking. He said, you will know them by their their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. How many know a bad tree bears bad fruit? A good tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can can a, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Y'all hear that? By their fruit, you will know them. Y'all ever hear this? You ever, ever hear this from folks that are lost and without God? They always say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Well, here the scripture is, is telling us we know other believers by the fruit that is produced in their own Christian life. Is that not what it says? I mean, that's the Bible, y'all. I read that. That's not me. So if y'all get mad, just find an altar somewhere. Right? And he said, a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. This is Jesus talking. This is a powerful scripture. Uh, I want to start tonight by reading a parable to you. Once upon a time, there was a, there was a handsome, uh, heroic prince who wanted to win the hand of a maiden in his kingdom. He was, going, uh, he was going to be away from his kingdom for a period of time, and he gave one of, the servants, one of his servants the assignment to win the hand of the lovely maiden. I want you to, he said, I want, to sh- I want you to show her all the glories and the beauties of my kingdom. I want you to show her all of the powers and all of my abilities. 
share my love for her and how I will make her an intricate part of all that I do. Be sure that, that, that whatever you do, uh, don't forget to show her, don't neglect the orchard that I have. Take her to see my orchard, which bears a tree there that bears a ninefold fruit. It is a special tree. So the servant sent out to win the hand of the maiden for his prince. So he took her and showed her all the powers and the glories of, his prince, of this prince. Took her to the top of the mountain of miracles. And uh, she was impressed. Showed her all the signs in the skies with her eyes widened with amazement. Took her to the wells of wonders. And she was moved to respond to the prince, but she was still holding back. So the servant was desperate. I don't know what I'm going to do, he said. How can I win the hand of this maiden for my prince? And then all of a sudden, the words of the prince came to him and said, Do not neglect my orchard. And so the servant had neglected the orchard and went in and he had grabbed the handmaiden and went in and was uh, and saw what he saw was breathtaking as he saw all of the beauty of the orchard and all of the trees that were there. And right in the center of that orchard was there a special tree that the prince had said, don't forget. He saw all of those beautiful fruits that hung on that tree. Matter of fact, that tree bared ninefold in nature. And he began to pick the fruit and put the fruit in a lovely basket. When he picked all nine types of the fruit and put it in a basket, he presented it to the lovely young maiden and said to her, here is the fruit that my prince that my prince has provided for you. She saw and partook of the fruit, and her heart was won to the prince. And she gave herself to the prince. You see, the fruit, the fruit provided nourishment to her body and satisfied her hunger. Now, the parable that I just read to you, I made up myself. And it's really a parable of the Christian life. There is a neglected area of the Christian life that is very crucial and important when we study the Bible. And, and think about, when we think about the person of the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives, um, when we think of the fact that He's the third person of the Trinity, we think about the work of the Holy Spirit and how He manifests Himself in so many and so many supernatural ways in our life. But there is a neglected area in the study of the Holy Spirit, and it is often the fruit of the Spirit. We talk a lot about the uh, gifts of the Spirit, but we don't talk a whole lot about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not neglected in the Bible, but it's often overlooked when we talk about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason why. The reason is why, and this is true, is because the fruit of the Spirit is not as sensational as the miracle signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. And so, because fruit is, is a little bit, takes a little bit, it's a little bit slower, 
It takes time. It has to be cultivated in order to get the fruit to grow correctly. The Christian life, the fruit of the Spirit, is one of the critical ingredients as we seek uh, to reach out to a lost world. The fruit of the Spirit is very crucial to our Christian life. It's very crucial to our, to our uh, evangelism. It's very crucial to uh, how we approach ministry. Because I believe this, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said that the fruit of the Spirit is the seed of the last day's anointing. And the fruit of the Spirit is the seed of the last day's anointing. And, and, and it's because this, because if the fruits of the Spirit get planted in our lives and begin to be cultivated out through our lives, then the power of the Holy Spirit becomes even more stronger in our lives. If you notice that in the armor of God that is mentioned in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, that the breastplate of righteousness that we wear, that we put on to guard our heart, to guard our midsection. And if you've ever studied the fruit or if you've ever studied the armor of God, you know that, there, that the imperial Rome, uh, uh, the latter Romans wore uh, breastplates that covered the front and the back of their of their body. Now, the early Romans wore just a breastplate on the front, but latter years they wore in the back. And they had nine latches on the front and they had nine latches on the back. And it's a picture of the fruits of the Spirit go out front and the gifts of the Spirit drive the fruits of the Spirit. And so it's a picture of putting on the armor of God. And so when we dress ourselves as a Christian soldier, we must understand that, it's, that the gifts of the Spirit are very powerful, but it's also the fruits of the Spirit that gives us the ability to operate effectively in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, when we look at this, Paul says, I don't know if you like fruit. I love fruit. And um, there are some fruits that I like so much I could eat it till I'm sick. When I was a kid, my grandmother had a grapevine. And any of y'all's grandmothers have grapevines, and she put it on lattice, and it was hung out there. And every time I would visit in the summer, she'd say, Shane, don't you go out there and eat those sour grapes. You'll get sick. And I'll be like, no, Granny, I'm not going to get sick. And what I do, I sneak out there, and I start eating them sour grapes. They weren't all the way ripe yet. They were close. But I would just eat and eat. They tasted the sourness of those grapes tasted so good. And I would eat and eat, and I would, I would have diarrhea, and I would be sick to my tummy. And she'd say, I told you not to eat those grapes. You'll get sicker than the dog. And I did. But I kept eating them until I got sick. Uh, my wife's sister, her, her father-in-law, lives in Naples, Florida. And he has a, uh, the house that they lived in there in Naples. Uh, he had a, almost like a living orchard in his yard. Uh, he grew uh, uh, Cuban grapefruits. I don't know if you've had a Cuban grapefruit, but uh, they're like mangoes, but they are absolutely awesome. He grew bananas. He grew all kinds of stuff. And, um, uh, but, you know, I don't know if you like, I love fruit. So Paul was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. When he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, what does he mean when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit? What, does, what is a definition of the fruit of the Spirit. How do we give a definition? Well, it's this. The fruit of the Spirit is 
Traits of a Christian character which are produced by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I'll say it again. Traits of Christian character which are produced by the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Take it a step further. It's a picture of spiritual qualities reflected in the personality and relationship relationships of a Christian. It's a picture of spiritual qualities reflected in one's personality and the relationships of a Christian. And so why does Paul use this? You know, the fruit is an outward expression of the inward life of the tree. Is that not right? Is fruit not the outward expression that a tree is alive? If you see fruit on a tree, you know that tree's alive. It's the outward expression of that tree is alive. The fruit of that tree, you know there's life on the inside of it because it has produced fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the same. The outward expression of an inward life. It is the outward expression in life of the believer and of the work of life of the Holy Spirit inside of the believer's life. The fact that you bear the fruits of the Spirit is a sign there's life in you. The sign that the Spirit of God lives in you. It is a picture that something's going on on the inside, that God is resident because the fruit of the Spirit is bearing out in your life. And when the fruit of the Spirit is bearing out in your life, we, we all know that there is, you know, it says it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things are the fruits of the Spirit. And when those things are being born out of your life, it's a sign that the work of the Holy Spirit is going on in your life. And I don't know about you, how many want the Holy Spirit to be working in your life? And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, he's described in three ways. One, there is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that is the whole, when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us when we get saved, when we come to Christ. In other words, in John 4, 17, Jesus said uh, to the woman at the well, he said, if you knew the gift of God, in other words, it is a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit is salvation. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Salvation is a gift. Uh, a saved person, um, you know, the Spirit of God is inside him. Romans 5, 5 says, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. So there's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's given through salvation. When you get saved, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of you. And then secondly, there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Paul said, I have you not be ignorant of the, of, of, of the spiritual gifts. And the gifts of the Spirit are spiritual gifts, are spiritual endowments that give us and um, that gives us, that, that are given to us in order to serve the Lord Jesus effectively and bring glory to Him. In other words, the Holy Spirit energizes these gifts in our life. In other words, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, they're mentioned in 1 Corinthians, they're given to us. They're given to us to serve God. 
They're spiritual endowments that help us live out our lives. They're, uh, I love what um, one preacher used to say, um, uh, Leonard Ravenhill used to say that they're toys, uh, they're not toys to play with, but they're tools to build with. I mean, you know, the gifts of the Spirit are not tools, toys to play with, but tools to build with. 1 Corinthians 1 7, Paul talks about the Corinthian church. This is what he said. He said, You come behind in no gift. What did he mean? He mean that, that there were those who were awed by the gifts of the Holy Spirit that was in the Corinthian church. But, but let me tell you this. When you read a little further, Paul could not call them a spiritual church. He said in 1 Corinthians 3.1, uh, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as carnal. There was dissension in that church. There was lack of spiritual maturity. And, and, and they had gifts, but they did not have the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we, when we look at this, we have to understand that they had spiritual gifts, but there was something lacking in their life as believers and the life of that church. In other words, it's not enough just to have the gifts of the Spirit operating in their church. There needs to be the fruit of the Spirit operating also. And so when we look at this, we understand that, that there is the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is what we call the graces of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, what is that? It's traits of Christian character that produced in the life of the believer by the Holy Spirit. And, and when we talk about these graces of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Holy Spirit are different from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're different in several ways. But I want us to see a couple of things about uh, God's orchard. And I want us to see a couple of things as we look into the Word of God and we look into this Bible orchard. Number one, um, I want you to see this, this orchard. I want you to see what this orchard is like. There's a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the graces of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit have to do with service. The graces of the Spirit have to do with sanctification. The gifts of the Spirit have to do with power. But the, the graces of the Holy Spirit have to do with character and behavior. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is what you do. The graces of the Holy Spirit is who you are. And you've got to have the fruit of the Spirit if the spiritual gifts are going to be used the way God wants them to be used. In other words, the graces of the Spirit have to be behind the operation of the gifts of the Spirit if they're going to be used in a way that God wants them to be used. It's not the gifts of the Spirit that prove that someone is spiritual, as we saw Paul talking to the Corinthians. It's the graces of the Spirit. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he will begin to manifest the nine fruits of the Spirit. They belong together. They really do. The gifts of the Spirit and the graces of the Spirit, they work together. They are culminated together. And so you, can't, you really can't have one. You can't say, I'm going to have the graces and not the gifts, or I'm going to have the gifts and not the graces. Because if you have the gifts and not the graces of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you lack character. If you have the fruit of the Spirit and, and not the gifts of the Spirit, you lack power. The graces that keep a person 
It's the graces that keep a person who's difficult to deal with from, from being excessive in the gifts of the Spirit or releasing of the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, it's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit that brings self-control into the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. See, when people don't use the graces of the Spirit in the operation of their ministry, what happens is it's just free-for-all. There's no order to nothing. And so the graces of the Holy Spirit are the fruit of the Spirit allows the operation of the gifts of the Spirit to be done correctly. It, 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 it brings in, in other words, that gifts are not done to be showy or done to be seen. They're done to bring production into somebody's life. So if we're going to prophesy over somebody, but we're not gentle, or we don't hold restraint, or we don't show love, or we don't show kindness, then what happens is that gift uh, overruns and it, its operation is nullified because it's not done in the spirit of love or done as it was intended to be done. Some people who don't use, there are people who don't use the spiritual gifts in the atmosphere and climate of the fruit of the spirit. If, if we want the gifts of the spirit to be released in this house, We've got to be build an atmosphere and climate for those gifts to be released, for those gifts to be used. There has to be a spirit of love that runs through this fellowship. There has to be a kindness and gentleness, faithfulness and goodness. All of those things should drive the gifts of the spirit and operating in our fellowship. And so the graces of God, the gifts are the fruits of the spirit, in other words, there may be people who are able to prophesy and, and who are able to have word of knowledge and healings, but doesn't know how to release it in love or peace or long-suffering or joy or gentleness or self-control, um, then they can be unloving, obnoxious. They can be um, hard to deal with. So y'all understand we need the fruits of the Spirit operating in our lives so that we could do proper ministry. And so I want to challenge you. Let's, you know, as we look into God's orchard and we begin to see, I want to challenge you to, to not neglect the fruit of the Spirit in your life. This is something that the Lord has put His finger on personally in my life lately. Understanding that the fruit of the Spirit is what enhances the power of God in our lives. It really is the seed of anointing that comes on the power of God that operates in our life. You know, sometimes when people know that you love them, their hearts become open to receive ministry. Kindness opens the heart to ministry. Joy will open the heart to ministry. Matter of fact, when I got saved, the guy that led me to the Lord, his name was Paul Garland. And... Uh, uh, you know, he, I used to know him. He would invite me to church. I worked at the mall and I was working for Sears. And at lunch, I would go up to Chick-fil-A. How many of y'all love Chick-fil-A? Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of y'all been hunting down the Chick-fil-A truck when it's come to town? Praise God. I check, I check every, I check Facebook, baby. I'm like, where's the truck at? I'm going to follow you. And so I would go up to Chick-fil-A to get lunch. And Paul Garland worked for Chick-fil-A. He was studying to be an attorney. 
and he, he had this cheesy smile. He had big teeth, big horse teeth, and he smiled all the time. And I'm like, there is no dude that is happy as this guy is all the time. He's like, hi, Shane. And he would smile, just this big cheesy grin. And I'd be like, dude, there's no way you're happy like that all the time. He was like that every day. And so when I got saved and he was teaching that morning, I gave my life to the Lord. He was teaching out of Acts 9 and he was talking about Paul persecuting Christians and smiling. You know, he was like, he never wiped that smile off his face. But this is what I was attracted to. I was attracted to the joy that was in his life. Why? Because he was exuberating the, the, the joy of the fruit of the spirit that was in his life. He, he, he expressed that. What did that do? That opened my heart to receive the gospel, right? The gift of the spirit. It opened my heart. And so we have to understand that when we, first of all, we need to see into this orchard. When we look into this orchard, we see that the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit operate together. And listen, we don't teach much on the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be teaching more on the fruit of the Spirit. Because we do need to learn how to be more kind as the body of Christ. We do need to be more in self-control, right? Can you think of areas of your life you could be a little more self-controlled? Huh? I know some of y'all, I know your sayings on Facebook. I know how you just release what's in your mind, you know, boom, you just hit it, you know. Maybe pray about it before you hit send, right? Before you, you know what I mean? To show a little more kindness, a little more love, a little more gentleness, a little more peace in people's lives. So I want you to see this Bible orchard. Second of all, let's survey this Bible orchard. Let's survey this orchard. When the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's used in two ways biblically. Number one, it refers, it's referred to literal fruit and scripture. Matter of fact, scripture is full of the list of the fruit of the spirit or the fruit. And a lot of times I've told you before that if you want to understand things in the scripture, always go to where it's first mentioned in the Bible. It'll give you context. It's, so the fruit, fruit is mentioned the first time in Genesis chapter one and verse 11. Let's turn there. Genesis chapter one and verse 11. I want to read this to you. Because the, the first way that we look at the fruit of the Spirit in Scripture, it's mentioned, it's mentioned literally. Here, it is talked about literally here in Scripture. It talks about on the third day, verse 11. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. What's the scripture telling us? When we look at this, we see this is, this is the third day. We see this is literal fruit that God has created on the third day. So there's two observations I want us to see about, uh, about the fruit of the Spirit uh, literally in Scripture. Number one is this. First, notice that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit was brought forth into existence before man was in existence. In other words, the fruit came before man came. The fruit was presented and made before man became. And so this is one of the great evidences of creation because we see 
that it was designed, that creation was, that earth was designed for an inhabitants. When we read creation, we know God designed the earth for inhabitants. The fruit was created, why? It was, it was created for man. It was designed for man. All the, when man came on the scene on day six, when God created man as the apex of creation, sustain, the sustenance of life was built in in, uh, in the previous days. In other words, all the systems necessary to sustain life before, was there before man came into the entrance on the earth. In other words, what God do? God provided food on the third day. God provided everything that man needed, everything to survive. Every system that man needed to survive was already in place when he came. And so the fruit was there before man even came. The second thing I want you to notice in observance is this. is found there in verse 11. There's a little phrase I want you to see. And this is what I use. If you got anybody who is uh, who are atheistic, who don't believe in creation, who are evolutionists, uh, this is a passage of scripture that you can use. Uh, in verse 11, and it said, the fruit tree that yields fruit, and this is this phrase, according to its kind. You know, this is one of the great hurdles to evolution. This is one of the hurdles that evolution cannot seem um, they, they, they seem to can't get over. It specifically says that the fruit tree produced after what? After its own kind. And so don't confuse. Evolution um, is not a fact. We know that. It gets confused between what is called microevolution and macroevolution. You ever heard those terms before? This is microevolution. In other words, it, it means that there is changes within a species, species there is change. In other words, microevolution is there's change within species. You know, there's 7,200 different types of apple trees worldwide. Did y'all know that? There are 7,200 different types of apple trees. There's red apples, there's yellow apples, there's green apples, there's small apples. There's all kinds of different apples. There's all kinds of variety within apples. What is that? That's microevolution. That's mutation. In other words, certain environments create certain types of apples. Certain type of apples will mutate within their species, but their species never changes. They're still apples. They never change in species. And so there has never been a change in a species. Never has that ever been demonstrated on the earth. Um, Macroevolution uh, uh, says this, that there's transmutation. One species becomes another species. What that means is and, and inherent in the genetic structure of every fruit is the necessity ingredients for bringing forth that fruit into existence, but you can know that the inherent genetic code will never be changed. In other words, if I plant apples, I'm getting apples, right? Has anybody ever planted a tree or planted something that you wanted and never got what you thought? Did you plant an orange tree and anybody get plums? Did you know anybody that's ever planted an, 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 an apple tree and got pears? Why not? Because the genetics... Inherent genetics inside 
of every fruit as well as human is that genetic code will produce after its own kind. There's never been a, a, uh, uh, a change in species through um, macroevolution, a transmutation. Another species has not come out of another. We don't have evidence of that. I've never seen that, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're looking for a missing link. There isn't a missing link. The link is God. He's creator of all things. He's put life into all things. And so what does that do? When we know that uh, we understand that there's microevolution, there's change within species. We know that there's, there's change. I mean, uh, all fish that live in a cave don't need eyes, right? How many know that, you know, when I was a kid, we went to Mammoth Cave one time and they pulled out of the fish and, you know, it was blind because the skin had grown over its eyes because it never, you know, but the fish didn't become, the fish didn't become a snake, right? It didn't become a dog or a cat. I mean, it mutated to its environment, but it never changed its species. It was still a fish, Right? Slap some cheese and tartar sauce on it, you got a filet of fish, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still a fish. A fish is a fish. What does this do? This gives great consistency in our universe, in our nature. Everything produces after its own kind. I, I read an article, I read it, I mean, we have lost our mind. I'm, I'm convinced. I've been praying, Lord, why are people so crazy today? And why are people losing their mind? What's happening, what we're seeing in this cancel culture and all this goofiness that's going on is people's conscience are being seared. Scripture says this is what's going to happen in the last days. They're going to have seared conscience, the ability to understand or to reason right and wrong. And so I saw today a news article today where there's a movement where they're trying to uh, petition, uh, will we'll petition our Congress and leadership to say that, you, that a, a born child cannot, uh, cannot be called a boy or a girl until they reach the age until they can decide what they are. <laughs> I mean, they've lost their mind. A boy's a boy, a girl's a girl. We know that, right? We know that. Now, there, there are short boys, tall boys, big boys, right? Cute boys, ugly boys, <laughs> right? Same way. But a boy's a boy and a girl's a girl. It's easy to know. Why? Why? Because we come after our own kind. We come after our own kind. Everything produces after its own kind. And so the same way as fruit. Jesus said this, you shall know them by their what? By their fruit. Jesus says what you see is what they are. Y'all hearing me? What you see is what they are. If they're mean-spirited, then they're mean. Right? If they're unloving, then they're unloving. And you will know them by their fruit. Jesus in Matthew 7 says their actions, you will know them. It's a way, and, and so it's the way the apostle Paul used it. He used it 
not only literally, but he used it figuratively. Secondly, it's used in the Bible figuratively. It refers to the consequence or result of an action. In other words, this is how the Apostle Paul used it. The Holy Spirit produces certain results in the life of the individual believer. Now in the Old Testament, Israel was compared to a vine. They were compared to God's vineyard, right? Uh, Psalms 1 verse 3 says that what? The tree that's planted by the brook shall produce what? Shall bring forth fruit in its season, right? That's figurative. Psalms 92 14, one of my uh, favorite scriptures says, and they shall bear fruit in old age. How many want to bear fruit in old age? I'm praying that every senior we have bears fruit in old age. Amen? And that they bear fruit even, to, even up till the time the Lord takes them that they're bearing fruit, that they bear fruit. But the New Testament, Jesus says this in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. In other words, in John 15, he talks about how that, uh, the importance of close relationship with him. He's the vine. We are the branches. Is that right? So when we're connected to the vine, we bear much fruit, more fruit, and fruit that remains, he says. And so when it comes to the Christian life and the sanctification work of the Lord in our lives, Romans 6.22 talks about the fruit of holiness. In other words, that we, are, that we grow in righteousness. So we survey the orchard tonight. Thirdly, let's take a sample of the orchard. And I want to close with this tonight. I want to show you a couple of things. How important it is to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In the New Testament, there are different, a New Testament, there are different types of fruit that speaks of the Christian character. Um, that are to the fruit of a Christian. Listen, some people think that the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. That's not true. The fruit of another Christian is Christian character. The fruit of a Christian is Christian character. And so the fruit used, and it's used in various ways, but let's just pluck some fruit tonight and look at a couple of different things. Now remember, fruit is an outward result of a life on the inside. It's divine life in the Christian, all right? It's the fruit. The fruit is an outward result of life on the inside. So let's look. Turn with me to Philippians chapter, Philippians 4. Number one, I want to show you the fruit of contribution. The fruit of contribution. Now y'all hang with me because I am going somewhere. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 17. Let's take a picture of some of the fruit of the New Testament and what it looks like. Philippians 4, verse 17, this is what it says. The Apostle Paul here, he's speaking of them. They had, they had sent him an offering. They had sent the Apostle Paul a gift. And Paul responds to them in verse 17. This is what he says. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your accounts. In other words, this is the fruit of contribution. This is the fruit Paul is describing in this offering. He says, look, he says, I, I'm grateful for the gift. But Paul says, what means more to me is to see the fruit 
that's going to abound through your giving. It's the fruit that's going to come out of your giving. I desire the fruit that is going to be held to your account. In other words, here it's talking about attaching our giving to the fruit of God. In other words, the fruit of contribution, giving, the natural fruit of giving. In other words, the outward expression of a life that's inside. How many know, how many know you can't, I've learned a long time ago, you can't manipulate people to give. Now, some people can be manipulated to give. They can make you feel guilty, right? If I brought Tiny Tim in here and gave you a sad story and asked you to give, some of you would be moved by that. But if my whole purpose was to manipulate you, some of you would be responded. But how many know giving has to start on the inside? It is a fruit on the inside. When I got saved, it became an outward expression of my life because of what Jesus has done for me on the inside. Giving is as is natural as breathing. It's, it's, listen, fruits of the Spirit and fruits that operate in our life come out of our relationship with God. Listen, I don't think twice about giving my tithe every week. I never sit down and calculate and say, hmm, should I give this week? Because I could sure do this or do that with it. No, it's never been a question. You know why it's never been a question all of our life? Because out of my relationship with God, it's become the fruit that flows out of my relationship with God. It's not even a question in my life. And so it's the fruit of contribution. It's a natural as breathing. Listen, Jesus gave himself for me. Should I not give all of who I am to him? Right? So inside of us, there is the, the fruit of contribution. Number two, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. I want you to see number to Hebrews chapter 13. I want to show you the fruit of worship and praise. Did you realize that worship and praise is a fruit? Look what it says in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 13. Let me get there. It says this, Therefore, by him letting us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is what? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. What's it telling us? It's telling us that the fruit of praise and the fruit of worship that there is a fruit, and I think it's even deeper than that. I, I give him, out of the fruit of my lips, I give to him every day. It's not just singing, but it comes out of your life. It comes out of the outflow of your life. It's a flow out of relationship, right? Any of y'all ever go around singing? I mean, even when you even when, you know, I mean, I don't sing in front of people. Or I try not to. Adam has been acting, you know, he has, uh, what happens is sometimes I'll sing on this mic with you. And so what he does is he'll take that me singing and he'll pull it off of the, the live stream and he'll play it real loud in the office. And so you have me singing off key with no, but I don't care. I mean, you don't have to be mad because it may not sound good to you, but it sounds good to him. You know why? Because it comes out of the fruit of my heart. It's the fruit of my lips, of my gratefulness, of my thankfulness to him, out of my gratitude for what he's done for me. 
You know, there are times I just walk around and pray in the spirit or sing in my car. Listen, y'all, I'm going to admit something to y'all. And, and I have, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, like one of those anonymous places, like where you go and confess where your weaknesses are. And some of y'all may not know this, but I'm going to confess this to y'all. Okay. Now don't hate me. I love Southern gospel music. Now, now I like it all. I like it all. But sometimes when I'm by myself, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll throw me some Jordan family band in, right? I'll throw me some Gaithers in, right? I'll throw me some Karen Peck and New River and, 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 and Gold City. You know what I mean? I love, I love Gold City. That's one of my favorite groups. I love listening to them. You can't have church until the Holy Ghost shows up, right? Y'all ever heard that song? Y'all missing it if you haven't. Because how many know you can't have church until the Holy Ghost shows up? But, but it's the fruit of our lips. It's the praise. It's not just singing songs. Sometimes we, just, we need to go about giving him the fruit of what's on the inside of us. And, and it's an outward expression of what? Of what's on the inside. In other words, it's, it's, it's an outward expression of a life that's on the inside, surrendered to the control of the Holy Spirit. Praise is as natural as growing apples on an apple tree. Worship should be natural as growing, as growing apples on an apple tree. And uh, we had a lady in the first church I pastored, and uh, she'd sing so loud, y'all. She'd sing so loud, she sat right behind me uh, in the beginning of service. She'd sing so loud, my ear would, I'd go home with a ring in my ear. She was so off pitch and so off key. But there were times I knew she would hit us another gear because when the Holy Spirit would hit her, wasn't all the time, <laughs> but sometimes even a squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But there are times that Holy Spirit would hit her and she'd hit another gear while she was singing. And I'm telling you, goosebumps would go down my neck and up my arm and, and she would just sing. But I knew this. I knew, I knew that her worship was not to be seen. Her worship was not to be known. Her worship came out of the fruitfulness of her walk with God, out of the joy she had in knowing Jesus, out of the joy of knowing that Christ was her Savior. There was this fruit. There was this worship. There was this fruit of worship that came out of her life. Number three, uh, turn with me to John chapter 4 and verse 36. This is my favorite right here. John chapter 4 and verse 36. Now we're just sampling some fruit tonight. John chapter 4 and verse 36. John chapter 4 and verse 36. Jesus here, that he had sent the disciples away and, uh, and he had ministered to the woman at the well, if you all remember, right? And the disciples returned with food and in verse 36, Jesus here is, is sharing with them, and he says this, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he, he who reaps shall rejoice together, right? In other words, the third fruit is the fruit of conversion. 
Winning people to Jesus is described as a fruit. In other words, it tells us this, that, that no one witnessing, no one forces me to witness. No one should force you to witness. But how many know witnessing should be an outflow of our life? If we're connected to Jesus, then the fruit of our life should be witnessing. Jesus says here, he tells the disciple, listen, the one who sows and the one who reaps rejoices together. There's some who plant, some who water, but God gives the increase. How many know some of the seed of salvation that you sow into somebody's life and they get saved later on? How many know it's not the reaper that rejoices, but the one who sowed also rejoices? How many are thankful for people that spoke into your life before you became a Christian? They may not have led you to the Lord, but they were sowing into your life. See, we're tasting the fruit of conversion. We need to rejoice. We need to understand that witnessing for Christ should be as natural as growing a fig on a fig tree. Telling others the fruit of witnessing, the fruit of salvation. Let me ask you this question, and you can answer it yourself. When was the last time you really witnessed to someone to come to Christ? You really witnessed to them about Jesus and getting saved and coming to Jesus. When was the last time that fruit of the Spirit welled up in you and flowed out of you because you're connected to the vine and connected to Christ? And then finally tonight, I want to talk about the fruit of character. Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of character is what is mentioned here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, this is the real test of the Christian life is the, is the fruit. Does your life manifest in your in your personality and in relationship with others, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Adam, if you come. Does your life manifest in your personality, in your relationship with others, the fruit of the Spirit? Does the fruit of the Spirit manifest in your life, in your relationships, in your personality, in who you are? Does the fruit of the Spirit flow in your life? Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 7, and I want to show you something. How many know when you read the Word of God, context is important? Context is extremely important. And the reason why we have all kinds of crazy teaching sometimes is because people don't know how to context, bring into context. I want to show you this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and um, we read verse 16 through 20. And what did we read? Jesus talking about a good tree cannot bear, uh, cannot, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you may know them. And look what the next set of verses is. What does Jesus talk about? Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of the Father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Gifts of the Spirit. Have we not cast out demons? The gifts of the Spirit. In your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know what's interesting? The devil can imitate signs and wonders. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Revelation chapter 13. Matter of fact, we know in the last days the enemy is going to duplicate signs and wonders. The devil will duplicate signs and wonders. But the one thing he can't do is he can't imitate fruit. He can't imitate fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus and them walked by a fruit tree that is not bearing fruit. And he challenges them to cultivate it, to give it a year to bear fruit. And if it doesn't bear fruit, then cut it down. Gives it opportunity to bear fruit. You know, I wonder sometimes, does the Lord look at our lives sometimes and says, let's give them some time. Let's cultivate. Let's, let's, let's let that, you know, that Bible study cultivate their life. Let's, let's, let's give the season for this tree to bear fruit. I don't know this for sure, but I think there might be times where Christians may leave this world early because they don't bear fruit. Back to the parable that I gave you at the beginning. Stand with me if you would. What won the heart of the young maiden? It wasn't Mount, the Mount miracles that he took her up on to see the miracles. It wasn't the signs in the skies. It wasn't the wonders out of the well. But what won her was the nourishment that came from the fruit, from the fruit tree in the neglected orchard. I want to just challenge you tonight. Don't neglect your orchard. Don't neglect the orchard of your heart. Let the fruit of the Spirit be bored out in your life. Let it begin to flow. Maybe there's an area of these that we read and we're going to cover them in the weeks to come and talk a little bit about them. We're going to talk about Bible promology. You know what promology is? It's the study of fruit. It's the study of fruit growing. You know? Study of fruit growing. You ought to get on some university's website and study promology. You probably can go and Go, they probably have a section for, it's a study of fruit, it's a study of fruit growing. There's a real skill to it, as there is farming and everything else. But I don't know about you, but I want the fruit of the Spirit running through my life. Let's put our hands on our hearts tonight. Father, we come to you tonight. God, we come. Lord, we want out of our life, the outflow. Just, just release the fruit of contribution in our life. The fruit of giving. God, the ability to give. Let it be an outflow.
Let us give not just with money, but give of our time, give of our, of our resources, our passions, our wisdom. Many of us, some of you have wisdom. You could be using. Lord, let us, let us let the outflow of the contributions in our life. Lord, let the worship of the fruit of our lips Let it come and be soothing to a heart that's hurting. Lord, let there be the fruit of conversion. Teach us the witness, Lord. Let us be natural witnesses. Not all the time in what we say, but many times in what we do. We have lost loved ones that need Jesus. This is the year of harvest. This is the year of salvation. Let us become witnesses. We're not pressured into it. It becomes the outflow of our life. And Lord, we pray that you'll produce the fruit of character in our life. Hallelujah. Lord, let us reach up and pull off of the tree of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That will enhance the gift of the Spirit in our life and the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Let these graces be poured into our lives. Let us learn how to love greater, how to live with greater joy, how to be gentle, how to be kind, how to show goodness. Let us live with peace and faithfulness in our life. Lord, I pray that you'll put the spirit of self-control back into the believer's life, the spirit of discipline in our lives to pray. For God... I don't want to become a neglected orchard. I don't want to be like Mr. Lewis's neglected orchard. That every once in a while a fruit would fall off. But God, tonight I give you permission to prune me. I give you permission to cultivate me. I give you permission to drive away the insects and the worms and the things that come to destroy and pollute the orchard. And I pray, God, that we will be fruit-bearing trees spiritually in our lives. Create an atmosphere, an environment where the gifts of the Spirit can flow naturally, but on the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit. Build that in our hearts tonight, God. Let us, we do not want to neglect your orchard in our lives. We thank you, God. Holy Spirit, come. Just fall on us right now. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now just receive. Just receive. Just receive from the Lord tonight. Just receive. Just receive. Hallelujah. Just receive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Help us to be more like, bring more Paul Garlands in the world, God. Bring more Glenn Heltons in the world. Bring more people that are not ashamed of the gospel into our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering? Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. 
If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.